You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Back-to-back shows. We had Monday show to recap that playoff game. It's Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Uh, just uh, just on a podcast. Just on a podcast. Just on a podcast. Just letting the people know. Uh, shouldn't have that issue next week uh, about, you know, like being a day later than normal. Just letting you know, you know. Expect your feeds that morning. Clear your schedule because today, oh no, what are you trying to do? I thought you were going to be like, nope, you're just going to expect a loss. We won't even have another. Wow, no, I told you wait till Thursday for my prediction. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying that we we were a day late because it was prime time and you went to the game and, you know, we would have had to record at two in the morning and we aren't aren't built different. Um, So we uh, let our producer not stay up till 4 a.m. and then work the next day. Uh, So, you know, Next week, though. Next week. Next week. It'll be a normal one. It'll be a normal one. I'm hoping we're just three pods a week until after Valentine's Day because that means this team is playing in the Super Bowl. But a lot of football left. And honestly, just had this thought this morning. Again, when you have Joe Burrow, you have number nine. Things are going to be different. But we're sitting here today. I know they've only won one playoff game in, in the wild card this weekend. But we're one game away from the AFC championship game, from talking about another AFC championship game, back-to-back seasons of playing on divisional weekend. And this is absolutely huge for this team and, and kind of what we're seeing here when it comes to expectations. So I don't know. I, I like the vibe in the air. And honestly, it seems calm, cool, and collective. Yeah. I thought uh, uh, this game feels much more normal. The Ravens game just felt weird. Um, I know there's also some weirdness around this game with everything happening on Monday Night Football, but this this game just feels more like, uh, okay, we're in like a real playoff game. I thought that the Ravens game wasn't a playoff game. I definitely had the nerves of a playoff game when that's right before it started. I was like, oh, no, what if they lose? <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, th- that didn't feel as much like a true – you know, this is Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. This is what you expect. Two of the best teams in the NFL, not just the AFC, going at it. Like the last one felt so much like there was asterisks of like Lamar's not playing. So this is Joe Burr versus Tyler Huntley. And we got to put Mark Andrews picture up there to promote this game instead of <laughs> anytime oh, teams, anytime the, the, uh, in a playoff game, the other team has a player that is not the quarterback up for, <laughs> as their picture there. They San Francisco might be able to do it. I was going to say they're not, they're not a real Super Bowl contender, but Hey, you know, San Francisco is probably gonna be Nick Bosa as their picture. Not going to be Brock Purdy, but, um, so maybe they'll prove me wrong, but yeah, this feels like true, 
true playoff game. This feels like the big one. Uh, this is a huge game. This was very exciting when it was being played on Monday Night Football. And uh, it's Tony and Jim, our, our very nice, friendly, fun duo announcing this game. Yeah, I'm again, I need to learn my lesson. Right before we hit record on this podcast, I retweeted the record. The Bengals are 4-1 with this crew as a broadcast crew since Tony Romo has joined them. They have three Chiefs wins under this crew. Huge games. AFC Championship game. Regular season. You won, you won the AFC North last year. Then this year in December. I, I'm not even mad about it. I'm not mad about it. And there's one thing about Tony Romo. He has a really good broadcasting jinx. Because as soon as he says something about someone, something crazy will happen later. So I'm all about it. And I know he's going to love Josh Allen. And Tony Romo's going to love Joe Burrow when he makes plays. You just got to go ahead and get ahead early. And then we won't. Yeah, have please any- just don't come out flat. Like that's the big one. You know, every time that you know Tony is not talking up Burroughs because the offense came out and stunk. You even think of that Buccaneers game, offense stunk. <laughs> it just stinks every time. Like they come out and they, they don't play well, and then Tony starts hyping up the other guy because they're playing well, and then everybody gets upset about it. But I'm telling you, when Tony's going to talk nice about your team, which he has done, I feel like people muted or something by the time it's the second half and they start cooking back. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think Tony's a good announcer. Um, I, I like his input. I think he's a smart guy. I, he has gotten a little bit away from my favorite thing, which is when he would just tell us what is about to happen. But uh, bring that back and he'll be all the way up there. But no, I I. I like you have you hammer home, I feel like every time we get this crew is uh this is a big game and this is a big game. Yep. I want them to be calling a lot of Joe Burrow's games because it means they are playing good football late in the season and maybe some of that January football that continues. And he said Chase is on the case. And that is gonna be a game we'll never forget. And one of my favorite calls from Tony Romo because Chase went off in January of last year. But I'm gonna stay with broadcasters right now. And I'm going to connect it with the play because I've watched it 100 times. And we talked about it on yesterday's episode, the 98-yard run by – they're calling it Fumble in the Jungle, which I, I like. I think that's the best name for Sam Hubbard's return. Mike Tirico, man, that was seriously one of my favorite calls. Everything he did from the crowd noise to the Cincinnati kid, that that's going to be played over and over again. And we're going to remember what happened in that wild card moment. You said off the air – that Mike Trico and Chris Collinsworth are moving up there on your broadcast grill. Yeah, they are. I, I thought Chris was good. I thought Tariko was awesome and reminds me of like, I can't believe this guy hasn't been announcing for a few years because NBC had Al Michaels and Tariko would just do like weird off games. But yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, you had that call and then it felt like Chris for the most part was giving good input. Like there was one time, the Ravens ran a play they always run. And he was like, I don't know what's going on here. The other guys are running that way. <laughs> I was like, okay, Chris, don't talk about it. Why are we showing the play if you don't know what's going on? <laughs> but um, I thought overall he was good. Like I, I liked what he was able to provide input wise. I also love, this is very stupid. I do love the NBC that the players, you know, they introduce, they introduce themselves. So that's one of my favorite things. You know? Sometimes I got funny ones and not that many this week. But uh, yeah, I, I like the crew. I enjoyed Chris's input. I give him like a B plus and then Tariko was like an A plus. So I'm expecting hate on that. I know everybody hates Chris. 
They do. But here's the thing. I feel like the Bengals have played a lot of bad Sunday night football games when Chris Collinsworth is on the call. So obviously he's not going to say amazing things. So you're just getting met at a bad time. But I like Mike Tirico out there and, and hope we we hear more of him. Did you see that clip? Uh, they showed it on the pregame during the game. And I actually just saw it afterwards. I think I saw it on TikTok um, from one of the sports accounts when Joe Burrow's walking in and he just taps Chris Collinsworth on the shoulder yeah, and he doesn't yeah. even turn around to see that he noticed him. And Chris just like looks over him and Joe just doesn't even acknowledge him because Joe can do that because he's Joe Burrow. I mean, he did the classic tap the wrong shoulder. Yeah. They look that way and. Never looked, never looked back, and that's why he's he's Joe Cool. Um, but no, no, I'm I'm pumped about the game. And um, a reminder: if you can, if you don't like Tony Romo, go listen to Dan and Lap if you're local. They're great on the call. And I don't know how that works out of state, but if you're you're local and you can listen to them, make sure you're you're listening to the to the local guys. But let's move on. Offensive line. You went back and watched the tape. There's some concerns. I think if you were to watch any national sports shows this week when they talk about Cincinnati, offensive line, it is back. It's been the topic for 10 years, and I felt like we didn't have to talk about it for the majority of the season, but we're right back here. What did you see from Jackson Carmen? I mean, it wasn't like an abject disaster. It was not good, but like. It was kind of probably a little bit better than he did last playoffs when he was put in there or last year when he was put in there, but he got protected too. I mean, uh, he had the sack. That was the only five-step drop that they ran. The, so the Bengals, this I think typifies exactly how the Bengals feel about this. When Jonah Williams was in there in the first half, they only ran 26% quick game, which is, I don't know the exact numbers of everybody, but that feels somewhere close to average in the second half. They ran 56% quick game. So ball out two seconds, you know, quick game, everything. It's funny when I think it was uh, Aditi said, like, this is a rhythm and timing based on every offenses anymore. Like this isn't 1974. Every offense has the footwork of the quarterback tied to the routes that are going on. So quick game is a very quick three or it's a one step and throw. So it's slant flat, you know, it's throwing slant routes, it's throwing hitches, it's throwing quick out stick routes. So when they only ran six of those in the first half for 26% of their plays, they ran 10 of them in the second half. And that was only on 18 plays, five less plays. And they ran it four more times. So that's all right. That's, that's protecting, that's protecting your offensive line. That's what it does. That ball is out in two seconds. The offensive line doesn't have a chance to lose. Then you look at the other end of the spectrum. The Bengals run five-step drops when they want to take good shots downfield if it's not play action. If they want to get into their drop-back game, they ran that five times in the first half. That's a normal amount, 22% or so. They ran that one time in the second half, and it was the play Jackson Carmen gave up a sack on, which I still don't see the P. Ryan was supposed to chip there. The broadcaster announced it, or the, the, the announcer said that. But when I watch it, P. Ryan's got his eyes inside. He never looks at the end. And if I'm picking a guy that made a mistake on a play, I think I'm going to pick the guy that got thrown in the left tackle uh, without any preparation over the best pass protection back that the Bengals have. So one five-step drop, and it was a sack. So that is the one where you have to protect for two and a half to three seconds, and the Bengals couldn't. Three-step drops. Even that, they cut down the number, ran more quick game. Like three-step drop, you're probably thinking about two and a half seconds, quarterback at about seven yards of depth. 34.8% um, in the first half. It was actually the most common con uh, 
level of passing game. It's not a quick three. It's an actual push off the first foot, full crossover, land on your back foot. You can hitch and then throw. You're thinking in routes, uh, like 10 yards downfield, curl routes, those type of things. Five of them in the second half. Like that that almost became, which is 27.8% of the plays, that almost became their five-step drop. Like <laughs> the quick game is everything. And then when they want to take a, a sh shot a little bit downfield, they just run a three-step drop. So that is uh, that I think typifies everything that happened with the offensive line here and the offense because the offense was good in the first half. I I see all the takes. That offense scored twice in the first half. They moved the ball pretty well. There was one drive in the second half that it moved well, and then the Ravens adjusted to stop the quick game a bit, and the the Bengals had to try to get to their five step drop, gave up a sack. Hardman held on a, on a run play and run game is nothing and they only pick up one first down and it was off a penalty and those other drives see this is why i can trust you and i know i'm going to get the truth because there was some hype for dax and carmen after the game there was, it was, some it was like i said like it, all this is to say he was very protected okay he also didn't play terrible like it was better than i expected i expected him to go out there and in this to be really really bad but it was just, you know, normal level of bad. I mean, you go into halftime. Like, I don't think he's the worst uh, offensive lineman on the field in that second half. That, no, that that doesn't make you feel better about things, does it? It doesn't because they have three injuries. <laughs> You're going to still start this guy. Like, no, no, not at all. Well, the, the guy I think that didn't play as well was – um, sadly, my guy Adenogy there, um, he really struggled in this game. And But I have more faith that Adenogy pulls it around than – uh, than pretty much anybody else that is being thrust in this lineup because the Dungeons just played two solid games in a row. And including that little bit of a first quarter, he was good in that one. So if anybody's going to turn it around, I, I'm going to trust the guy who had one bad game out of the three he's played. Yeah, I, I kind of want to get to what the rotation is going to look like in our next segment, but we'll go ahead and, and, and go to a couple more guys. Max Sharping obviously filling the role of Alex Kaffer right now. To be determined, we don't know. Of course, people report he's week to week or he could come back. Um, if he's healthy for the AFC Championship game, nobody knows right now. Zach Taylor is just saying week to week for Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams. But how did Max look? Not good. Um, I thought Kalias Campbell had the better of both guards. Uh, it wasn't similar to what I said about Carmen. It wasn't terrible but it wasn't good. It was somebody, and he had to be out there for the five-step drops and all these, you know, longer developing plays. So, you know, take that for what it is. And I don't know if he'll have those next week. Hopefully they'll still be able to get to some of those. But, you know, when you're looking at that, it's, he had a tough job. I thought he didn't perform that well, but it wasn't terrible. Like it was livable, I think. Um, you don't want that level of performance, but it wasn't, it did not make me think, we got to, you know, we got to see what Trey Hill's got or something like that. You know, like we have to hit the free, free agency market. Like it's somebody that you, it's not going to be fun, but you could work around if that's his performance every week. And he could play better because the Ravens front is better than the Bills front, in my opinion. I, I think without Von Miller, this Bills front isn't, doesn't get that much of a pass rush. You look at the Dolphins offensive line, it's not very good outside of Teron Armstead and maybe Connor Williams. So they've got a not so great right tackle. They've got a, a not so great left guard and, they were able to take shots. They were able to push the ball. They didn't really get that much. The Bills didn't get that much pressure from beating those guys. They stressed the communication a bit, and that could be an issue for the Spanish offensive line. But, yeah, Sharping, 
it wasn't good, but it was livable, I think. And I think livable is all you need right now as you have a bandaged offensive line. But, you know, hopefully you get good news when it comes to the guys who are injured. I feel like we're going to see a little bit of a rotation in musical chairs. We're going to get to that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Let's play rotation with this offensive line because if we were to compare who they put out there in the second half of the playoff game versus who they had in the Super Bowl last year, it'd be a real toss-up on who you would rather have. And yes. I'd rather have Jonah Williams out there. <laughs> I would too. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, when when I did the charting, I was I, I, I want to go back. No, I don't want to go back, but I want to go back and just see what they were doing in those playoff games last year, because this is what it sounds like, right? Like you're doing over 50% of your dropbacks are quick game. You're taking a few three-step drops and just try to get a go ball off type thing. And you're going to take your very calculated shots with that five-step drop and a play action pass. So that is really the quick game, so much quick game. And Burrow couldn't hold on to the ball in that second half, it felt like. It felt like that ball has to be out when you hit the bottom of your drop because if you try to hold on any longer, similar to the sprint out play where he makes Roquan Smith miss, awesome highlight, that's great. They allowed a guy to get through <laughs> on the sprint out. So like that part's not great. Um, yeah, it, it reminded me so much of the Bengals offensive line in last year's playoffs. And I don't mean that to say that this offense is going to stink now. Um, but because Burrow's better. Burrow's better at making these pressures not become sacks, and you've got better – I think Jamar Chase is better this year than he was last year. I think T. Higgins is better, is a better player, and Hayden Hurst can stress the defense vertically more than C.J. Uzama was able to. So you have reason, and the, the offense is also better coached. I think this is a better offense just as a scheme, all these things. Overall, I take this offense well over last year's offense. But the offensive line does remind me a lot of last year's playoff offensive line. And I think you have to do, you, you have to take into account this because I've heard some of the players talk about it. They have experience being here before. Most of the guys in the locker room were here last year. They know what it takes to win the divisional game on the road. They know what it takes to win an AFC championship game on the road. They know what it takes to almost win a Super Bowl. So I do think that that experience is going to be helpful too in these moments, in these really tough environments, what it's going to be like when they play the Bills on Thursday. And we'll get to that later on Thursday's episode when it comes to the preview and prediction. But with this offensive line, I could be completely wrong and they get to practice tomorrow and we'll get more of an update of what that looks like. 
I don't think Jackson Carmen is going to be their starting left tackle. And, and you and I, we, we talked about it off the air and we pretty much agree. I think you're going to give Isaiah Prince a chance at right tackle. You're going to move Hakeem Adeniji to left tackle. You're going to have Max Sharping out there, uh, Cordell Volson, and then obviously Ted Karras. That's what I'm leaning towards when it comes to what this offensive line is going to look like. What is that going to do for Hakeem moving over to the left side? And how do you feel about Isaiah Prince out there? Yeah, uh, that's what I would do, I think. Uh, uh, but this is a big thing of the Bengals are going to know better than us, I think. We are looking at – I think Adenji can still be the swing tackle even after a bad game. So he can – what that means, though, isn't he's locked in at right tackle. That's he could play right or left, whoever is down. So if they need him to move to left tackle, I feel pretty comfortable he can move there. And, I mean, he played there a lot in the preseason and looked pretty good. So – can he flip over to left tackle? And then the other issue is in, in my mind of thinking of how this is going to work is Isaiah Prince. I've really only ever seen him at right tackle. He could play left tackle for all I know. Like he could like in practice, but I don't know. He's practice squad guy right now, but maybe they've been training him up to play left and right. Or maybe when Hakeem's been at right, they've been training up to be a left tackle just in case Jonah gets hurt. Um, so that could happen. It it could be Carmen out there too, though. I, I It's not what I would do, but if you're just looking at the raw evidence we have without trying to guess on anything, Carmen's the guy they brought. They put in there. They didn't activate Prince off of uh, the practice squad for this game. You know, first one off the bench in that game. That he's, He was the first one off the bench in the Ravens game before as the extra offensive lineman. So is that – could that happen? Um well, I guess second off the bench because Sharping went in there. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So could it be Carmen? Yeah. I mean, evidence is pointing that it could be Carmen. I think that they're going to roll with Prince because even when you think about when Adenji first got his start, there was the whole controversy. It was, I, I trust Zay. And then there was the whole thing. Reporters are finding out who's Zay. It's Isaiah. And then Isaiah Prince is going to be the starter. And that was starting to get reported because Burrow let it slip that he's going to be right tackle. And that didn't happen, and it's been a denigy since then. But if everybody thinks it could have been Isaiah Prince, why wouldn't it also be Isaiah Prince when it's a guy that has really never been a left tackle in the NFL and was not drafted to be a left tackle? I, I've seen some people with the take. He was a second-round tackle. It's like he was a guard, and he probably went too high. Well, I, there's somebody in the building who I feel like they're going to listen to besides Frank Pollock, and it's quarterback Joe Burrow. Yeah, it, I, it is really whoever he feels comfortable with, right? I, yeah. I mean, you 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 got to go with. Yes, it did. It it sounds terrible to use last year's Super Bowl as an example because if they would have just had maybe a second longer, they hit the walk off. But I think you're going to talk to him and Joe's. Obviously, he knows Isaiah Prince went to college. They went to the same college together. Um, familiar here since he's been here on the offensive line. He was started in these playoff games last year. So, look. We're going to find out more on Wednesday and Thursday what they're really going with when it comes to practice. Zach Taylor is really good about not giving you anything. So maybe we won't know until Sunday at 3 p.m. when they roll their offensive line out. He's pretty quiet about who's going to be start because he, he fooled all of us with the Hakeem Adenogy and Isaiah Prince situation. So, look, we could be wrong, and it could be Jackson Carmen out there. I was a little surprised that he was activated over Prince, but, hey, they're seeing practice. They get to see the reps when they're going against the first teamers and, and guys who have had to step in and Jackson Carmen is one of them. It makes me feel a little better when we talk about the comparisons to the offensive line that they had last year. 
And I know he can't play all the roles on the offensive line, but I really believe in Ty Harris as your center, not only as your center, but just the guy who's going to lead the guys around him. And he's really going to have to, um, he, you know, was voted captain in the off season and he's just really been a gym in the locker room. So I do believe, you know, Ted's going to be able to help these guys out. It's, it isn't easy to start a new offensive line in the biggest games of the season when it comes to those reps together, the rotation, the communication. So that's still scary. Look, believe me, I would feel a heck of a lot better if Jonah Williams was healthy. You could even say Lyle Collins and definitely Alex Kaplan was one of the best offensive linemen that they currently have. We don't know when they're going to return, but as of now, Zach Taylor reported on his Monday press conference, they're still week to week. And um, I just, I'd be surprised if they were at practice and we're just hoping for, for good news for the MRI for Jonah Williams and no structural damage. I want to go to the wide receiver room. I don't want to be this person because I'm very optimistic. I always kind of like to look at the glass half full versus empty. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I know when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens in back-to-back weeks, and credit to their defense. We said it on this podcast probably three or four times. This is going to be the best defense you see in the AFC playoffs. And when you see a familiar team and your division rival, it is it's not going to be easy. But is it is it underwhelming what's happening with the receivers right now? Are there too many dropped balls? Is you know what's going on? Or and maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a few more drop balls than you'd expect. I think the second half offense was just you know, let's get out of this game, and I think they will. I don't think the offense next week, even though I looked at everything, a 56% quick game and no shots down the field, basically no five-step drops other than the sack. I, I think they are going to find a way to push the ball more than that. Like that was very much, we have the emergency left tackle in with no practice. We can't run the same game plan we had out there. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to get back to a normal amount. It's probably going to be more, ball the ball is going to probably come out quicker than normal and burrow probably can't hold it and try to make something happen as often as he was but uh that second half offense really did kind of screw those guys <laughs> because i i thought boyd was doing pretty well in the first half and then it felt like the second half is just gone because of that and you think about jamar chase was having a, a good game and uh, i think he ended up with a good game to me 93 yards is fine and he had the touchdown, but you, you, the slant, the, that's the one I keep thinking of is the Ravens played, I believe quarters and the Bengals tried to throw a slant to him on just slant flat concept. Everybody runs it. And the safety just triggers so hard. Marcus Williams lays him lays into him on that play. Just like a, Oh boy. <laughs> like they're going to sit on our quick game and that's all we can really do right now. Um, but overall, I guess you could say underwhelming. T, to me, it was a little bit of variance. It was the back shoulder ball didn't get completed, and that sucks. The deep ball down the field, down the right sideline, he gets hit in the face but doesn't come down with it. I he's Balls that get thrown up to T are more than a 50% chance to get caught in those contested situations according to, uh, I believe, his player, player profiler, he was at 56% of contested catch uh, contested catch rate. So he has a better chance of coming down that when then coming down with that than anybody else that ball's getting thrown to. He just didn't catch them in this game. If he's able to bring down one of those two, you're probably looking at a different game. He didn't have the best game. The, it, 
I thought he looked fine. I don't think he looked bad. He just wasn't able to come down and didn't get the penalty either. He got hit in the face on that uh, pass. So he also made the play out of structure though on the two point conversion. That was big. So let's remember, let's remember that too, uh, because it was important. Um, but yeah, the, I thought I thought they weren't the best. It wasn't their best performance as back to back week of not a great performance. If you think of the Bills game, they were having a really good game, all three of at Mm -hmm. least Boyd and T. So they were both having uh, a good game to start that one. And Hurst was having a good game. And then the week before that was uh, the big T Higgins game, the Patriots game. So I I can't be too hard on these guys. They're going to turn it around. I don't think that the bills are going to shut them down or anything. I think not going to give any predictions, but I, I think the offense will manage. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to win or lose. <laughs> we'll get to that on Thursday, Friday's pod. Uh, but I think the offense will be able to manage. I think we'll be able to get the ball to these wide receivers. And these wide receivers are really talented. I don't expect them to keep having uh, like below 50 yard type games. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it's just when you have guys like this, you, I, I'd say you have two number one receivers and, and T Higgins and Jamar Chase. And then you have a guy like Tyler Boyd and even Hayden Hurst made a mistake out there when, when he lost the ball. So I don't know. I, and I could just be, you're playing this team back to back weeks and you can't, you couldn't get the ball down the field. So that could look different when you play the Buffalo bills, but yeah, it's just, it's, I'm just we're spoiled. We're spoiled in Cincinnati with these playmakers. And I was just like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe it was just because of the, possessions of what you're dealing with and and you know in the second half all they needed was one more scoring drive it could have been a field goal or touchdown where they were going to put it away and the game was going to be over because they were going to try and let Tyler Huntley come down the field after that um the the fumble and everything when, when Sam Hubbard scored I truly did feel like the game was over even though there was 11 minutes momentum left. just that was <laughs> I mean, the, what, the balloon was filled with air ready to take off and that was just a pin just <laughs> like how you, you drove all the way down the field with your backup quarterback just to give up a touchdown the other way like that is so hard to overcome and then they they just they're getting sacked they're running the ball on second and 20 it just felt like such a air the wind came out of their sails that last drive they had good field position because of the Hill penalties. Please don't do this this week. Uh, I don't know what happened, but um, yeah, that that was to me. That was almost one of the biggest proponents of momentum that I've seen to drive all the way down. And everybody on that Ravens offense seemed to be just deflated about what happened, just like just devastated about that. And the Bengals defense started playing with a playing a little extra swagger, playing a little extra, yeah. you know, like yeah, we could stop you guys. That was that was almost one of their first big stops uh, in the games because the Ravens offense was able to move the ball a bit early on so yeah when i when uh when that happened i was like yeah that's this is uh i know the the analytics people say momentum doesn't exist because you can't quantify it but this was kind of one of those like kind of does though right (laughs) be completely honest with you i'm glad they didn't do it but i was a little surprised they didn't put jk dobbins out there yeah he's surprised about that yeah well he was he was (laughs) Just to talk about that lock in the locker room comments, I feel so bad for Huntley that all these guys go, yeah, we win with Lamar. If that bum wasn't, <laughs> it's like, hey, give him some credit. He played all right. It was the one mess up. 
Well, Tyler Huntley had better numbers than the last time they saw Lamar Jackson. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, I thought the same exact thing when the game was over. I, I'm like, you know, Tyler Huntley did a good job out there. And that's a tough defense when the Bengals and, and credit to Baltimore's defense. But, man, his team just threw him under the bus. He caught so many straight bullets and from the coach, too. He's like, I had to tell him to go over the top. It's like, oh, goodness. Just I mean, it, it, the, the guy alone. The sad thing about it, because when you watch the replay, play of, of the touchdown you do see Tyler Huntley do the touchdown because he thought he was over the line oh, was, and that's so too, sad he was two feet away though <laughs> that's so sad he looks over and he goes and then the camera rolls over to the celebration twice like, he actually did it twice he was doing this and then it cut away and it came back he was like looking left and right like I scored guys <laughs> didn't see the replay and then and the best thing is sam hubbard was mic'd up he's on nfl film some of the cuts were out today when he gets over to the sidelines he was like can't catch me you can't catch me and he's like oh man i thought he was gonna get me uh but i'm so glad here's one thing i'm really happy about on that return is the replay of it you keep seeing it even uh dean blandino or whatever he he spoke up on twitter and said that was not Not an illegal yes and i'm so glad that didn't happen because you don't want to hear that you know when you start in the front I mean, these guys are running like 18 miles per hour, like sprinting downfield. You start in the front and the guy's just a little bit faster than you. Now it's a block in the back. No, I mean, like, come on, guys. It's he start the block initiates. I believe he even has his hand on the front, not even on the side. He gets his helmet and hand on the front of Andrews, but Andrews is just a faster player. So by the end of the block, hands on the back and he's kind of pushing him over that way, but not a block in the back. It's all about where it starts. If Andrews got past him and then he pushed him in the back to push him over, that's a block in the back. But it's about where it starts. It's not about, you know, this is another instance. And this is just a pet peeve of mine. I think people read rule names and they just think they're an expert. Holding, well, that's when the offensive line grabs, you know, like block in the back. Well, that's clearly when the offensive line pushes the guy from the back, right? Any instance of the guy pushing from the no, it's not it. It's just, uh, man. Well, it's my, it's close. Like that's the idea, but that's not the rule. Well, my favorite thing is because the Bengals put up their screenshots of it, and Marcus Bailey just puts his hands up as soon as uh, Andrews falls on the ground. Like I, I just push him on it. Like I did not do it in the back. That's a special teamer. That's yeah. that's a special teamer. They all do that. All those special teams guys are always. Oh, I didn't touch him. <laughs> Credit to Marcus Bailey. There were so many people on that from Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, you could say DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, Marcus Bailey, just your whole defense coming together to make a play is absolutely it's insane. And I did hear a little bit of Dan Horde's call and he and he said he like teased it up before that play happened. And he was like, Well, they stopped him at the goal line before. And I'm like, whoa, what a what a turnaround. So no, that play is it's still amazing. I have to watch it every day with the Titanic music because it is an added bonus if you're not listening to Mike Tirico's call. Uh, but I want to get to the defensive side. Speaking of the defense next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Man, I leave the best for last, the defense. They've been solid all season long. They're making plays. It is January Jesse out there. You get the linebacker core, Logan Wilson stepping up, Davis Gaither. Let's go playoff P. Can't call him that unless he scores a touchdown. He almost had an interception in the wild card game again to end the game, and that would have just been insane. But they found a way to stop. Ah, that's a little bit of stretch. That would have been a real. Was it a little bit of stretch? A little bit of stretch because it looked like he was about to catch that interception. That play was awesome from him, though. That that was such a good uh, hook drop. He he they they tried to clear him out and um and they had a guy in front of him and he doesn't bite on either. Like he runs. He basically just runs a tiny bit with the clear out just to make sure that Lamar does Lamar <laughs> that Huntley doesn't throw the ball to the clear out for the touchdown. And then he falls off of that into the window of the deep in route they're trying to run and then makes that awesome play on the ball and just whack it upwards. Yeah, and I am probably exaggerating. Um, I was like, oh yeah, Jermaine Brad's gonna make the play again. Okay, I want to go to this play before I get to Cam Sample. When Tyler Huntley throws the ball one last time, when the ball went up and it gets past the first defender, and then you see the Ravens player behind the defender, and his arms are on the ground, and the ball is very close, and it looks like he's about to catch it. What was going through your brain? I, I didn't even notice it, to be honest. I, I saw him – oh, sorry. So, at first, I didn't notice it. And then I see, like, the Ravens defender in the back, and it did – yes, it was It was very much a, oh, no, the, he's going to catch that, and the Ravens are going to go for two. But well, yeah. I didn't I didn't see him at first. Like, that's what I'm trying to say is that, okay. like, at first I thought Mike Hilton's the guy who tips him. Five foot nine, he got up there. <laughs> he's the guy who tips it back, and uh, but he wasn't able to swat it down. Maybe if he was six one, but so he tips it up and back, so it gets out of the mess, so that they can't make the play. And then the guy's just back there. It does remind you a tiny bit. The ball didn't go up as high of that AJ Green uh, to send it to overtime. You know that from like 2012. But um, yeah, in my mind, I thought he was closer too. Like I thought it hit palms of the hand, and he dropped it. Uh, and then it went to replay. I was like, oh, he barely got fingertip. Okay. Still very close. But like what, the replay was like, oh, okay. He didn't have the ball in his hand, like in the palms of his hand, basically. Like, cause that's what I thought happened. I thought he dropped like in the palms of his hand. I was looking for something. I was like, there's a flag. There's something. Something's going to happen. Uh, they'll never throw a flag. It's a wild, it's the wild west on Hail Marys. You can throw a guy to the ground. They're not calling it. Swallow oh. the whistle. Whistle goes down the belly. I was so worried because I was like, this is what's going to happen for him. But I do agree. And and uh, Jeremy Roush over at Fox 19, he was on the sideline and he goes, you know, I talked to people that it, they were going to go for two. And yeah, of course I mean, they were. That's what we all thought, right? Like it's John Harbaugh. Yeah. I mean, you I, have he has a chance to win the game versus sending it to overtime and possibly kicking it to Joe Burrow on a coin flip. He's going to try to win that game 100 out of 100 times. He has he has respect for Burrow too. Um, let's talk about uh, a little bit of the. Uh, he wasted too much clock <laughs> trying to make sure that Burrow can't get the ball back. Like I didn't know what they were doing with the clock management, and I'm grateful they did that. But I was like, what? What are? What are you doing? You're going to run out of time. 
Yeah, you got to pick up that first down, and then you could start wasting a full minute and a half. Yeah, he didn't want Joe with the ball because Joe Joe wants the ball. Like, even in the Super Bowl, he wanted to go back out there and win the game, which he had an opportunity, didn't happen, but he wants to get that shot to just go back on the field and, and find a way to win the game because, um, as Jesse Bates said, he's like, Joe Burrow is a killer. And he said it on the Adam Jones and Solomon. Did you see that clip where he said, yeah. I, that guy probably has dead bodies in his basement. He's, he's a killer. Uh, and I just, I, I, he's just competitive and definitely probably was like, okay, I'll go out and try to win the game. But yeah, I was getting a little worried about the time of the clock, but of course it didn't work out. Bengals won. They survive in advance and a huge game versus the Buffalo Bills, but staying with the defense right now, because again, I still feel like I never give them enough credit. Ham Sample, let's talk about the season he's having right now. So most of the year, I'd say he was just like a solid defensive player, but especially this week, awesome, like really good. And he he played, I believe, more than Trey Hendrickson in this game. Um, they were replacing Trey Hendrickson with him because Trey Hendrickson is one of the best pass rushers in the entire world. He is not that as a run defender uh not that he's terrible but it's just not that like you can target him a little bit if you've got the guys like you've got a ronnie stanley in the run game and you've got the tight ends and the fullback to be able to do that cam sample is a better run defender and he's thicker um he's more like sam hubbard like he's more of a sam hubbard type where he's not the best pass rusher in the world but he gives you everything as a run defender and whole game typified on one play they run center tackle counter so the center is going to try to kick out the end which is sample and the tackle is going to try to come around that they try to kick sample out linderbaum tries to come and kick out sample and sample not only beats that block he makes the tackle like the, above and beyond the call of duty there you just you're just supposed to shove that down and make sure the tackle has a tough time getting through the hole he doesn't shove it down only he gets underneath throws Linderbaum aside and makes a stop. I mean, that was just, whew, that was, that was high quality run stopping from the defensive end. And that's what he gave the entire game. Yeah. We'll, we'll stay with the D line. Well, the defense right now. And, and Zach Carter, when the Bengals drafted him, there was some criticism, like what, why are you getting this guy? What's he going to be able to do and struggled a little bit early in his rookie season, but he has started to step up too. Yeah. Um, the game seems to have slowed down for him. I thought the game was moving fast for him early on. Like he just wasn't recognizing the blocks in front of him. Um, this, I don't know if everybody knows, defensive line has read. Every position basically has reads to make um, every single play. The defensive line has to read and key what the offensive line is doing, not just pass versus run, but what type of run block am I getting? Are they pooling? Am I getting a stretch like outside zone play? Am I getting an inside zone? Am I getting a double team? And it felt like he just wasn't always prepared. Like, it would hit him late, like, oh, shoot, this is whatever. Game seems to have slowed down. Like, they were trying to run zone to his side, and he'd get over top of that reach block. He would be able to get over top and beat it to the outside. And I know the guards aren't the fastest, but, you know, whatever. He's he's recognizing that block and reacting quickly. So it's all about how fast, how quick can you react. Like, DJ Reader is just a monster with that. Like, he knows exactly what's happening, gets his hands in the right place. Guys aren't ever moving too fast for Reader. It you're starting to get that a little bit with Carter. Carter's able to recognize these blocks that are coming. He had a play where they tried to double team him and he dropped to a knee, just like Reader does, and took that double team. Um, plenty of plays that made me, and I was a little bit of a Carter skeptic, at least going out. I didn't watch him before the draft. I was just like, who is that <laughs> when I do all the mock drafts? Um, 
but he's he's showing out as a run defender and, and to be a Bengals defensive lineman other than if you are one of the world's best pass rushers you have to stopping the run is the most important thing to them I think the Joseph Asai hive has been really high since the second preseason on Tom Brady and then he gets injured and then you're like oh what's he gonna look like when he returns to football what have you seen from Joseph Asai this season and, and going into January yeah, he keeps flashing. I mean, he had the play. One of the only times the defense is going to root for is going to try to go like, he didn't fumble. That was a pass. I said it strip sack. What do you mean? Because they picked it up and ran for a first down. Um, but yeah, the, he, he flashes every single game. It seems like on the, in the pass rush department, like he is, he looks like a very solid to good um rotational pass rusher right now like that this is essentially his rookie year and what he's able to give on limited snaps seems to give a lot of evidence that this is what he can do in the future um more of a trey hendrickson than the sam hubbard type you know camp sample that's why sample is going in there for hendrickson is because they want those run defenders on the field um but if you need a guy that can give you that trey hendrickson level juice in the pass rush that's joseph osai and he's had some really good pass rushes this year had the big hit on Huntley, stopped the arm, almost got the fumble. It's a good thing it wasn't, though. Should have – not should have. Could have been a sack if uh, Huntley didn't hold on to the ball as well as he did. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've really liked what I've seen from all these guys. And it just seems like the Bengals have started to accumulate that level of depth on the defensive line that used to be the calling card of the team in the 2010s, like Frosty Rucker and uh, all these like unsung here. Nobody, nobody outside of Cincinnati really knew these guys would be like Frosty Rucker comes in and the Bengals fans like, yeah, Frosty's a good player or Wallace Gilberry is coming in here. It's like, yeah, Wallace could get a sack here. That's kind of like what they're building right now. It's, It's cool to see that they've got their guys, you know, they've got their reader, they've got their Henderson, they've got Hubbard and Hill. And now you're starting to get the next, group of guys so that they can actually give those guys breaks and get a true rotation in there to keep them fresh. This might be a silly question when we've talked about the Ravens defense being the best in the AFC in the playoff picture. Now that they're gone, is, is this the best that the AFC has? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, bill, the Bills or the Bengals? The Bengals? The Bengals. Yeah, the, the, I think the Bengals are the best defense remaining in the AFC playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that that's what's beneficial when you think of these next two games on the road. I'm not even one game. It's one game at a time. I cannot think about the AFC Championship game. And I think a lot of us had that on the mind as far as the Bengals-Bills matchup. I tried to get myself not talking. Like, don't talk about the Bengals-Bills. You don't know if it's going to happen. It was really close to being a different game for both teams when you look at the Dolphins and the Ravens. But you, you look at this matchup and what you're going to see with this defense. And yeah, the Bengals offensive line is, is down some guys and you're going to have some backup starting and, and huge games. But that's why I still believe that this team can do that repeat of, of making it work. You get two wins in a row, you're right back in the bowl. And it's insane to think about because of how long an NFL regular season is. But just the way this team is playing, the way this defense has played all season long, Honestly, you can go back from week one because when you give the ball away five times, uh, your defense is doing everything they can to stay in the game, and and we're almost won that one. So I just think it's it's been really fun to watch. We've talked about it plenty. You hear these coaching candidate interviews, and Lou's name is still still not hearing it. Don't I'm still not hearing it. It's not happening, is it? Huh. He's coming no, back. It's it's 
it sucks for him, but yes, it's what I've been hammering is that he's not the typical head coaching first time head coaching candidate. He's an older defensive corner that worked his way up through high school and college. Like he, he had to grind his way to get the NFL. And by the time he is a head, head coaching quality coach, he's, he's no longer what they're looking for. And that's not to say he'll never be a head coach. He could be one next year. Heck, if this team wins a Super Bowl with him being the best, you know, the defensive mastermind, he probably does get a lot of interviews next year. But for where they are right now, I didn't think he was going to get these type of interviews. I'm a little bit surprised Callahan hasn't gotten a little bit more buzz because he was like the young offensive mind, but he also falls in that Eric Bieniemy trap of he doesn't call the plays. Well, and there is one guy on the staff, on the offensive side, Dan Pitcher, who's the quarterback coach, and he has a huge involvement when it comes to Callahan, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow in this offense and what we've really seen, you know, change since week five with the style of offense and how how the offense has started to look in 2022. And he is a candidate. I want to say the Chargers have him on the list as, as an interest. Offensive coordinator? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I honestly thought if Brian Callahan would be gone, that pitcher would be the internal offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, maybe he gets a few interviews. It's always odd that they're allowed to do the interviews during the postseason. Um, again, this was just a report that he, that could make the list of candidates, um, somebody to watch out for. Not that he was interviewing as of now. Uh, but, you know, when, when you win, people pay attention. But it's all the all the coaches in the playoffs right now. Think of all the head coaches in the playoffs. You can even just go on the AFC side. It's offensive heavy. Very offensive heavy. Uh, well, not McDermott, though. Sean McDermott's a defensive. Uh, the guy they're seeing this weekend. I'm like, real offensive heavy. Except real offensive heavy, except the guy they're playing this weekend. Except this one. Except this one. But overall, if you look at the, the picture as a whole. And the guy they played last weekend. Yeah. You know what? Didn't take the L on that one, but uh Oh, you're right though. I mean, like we look at Andy Reid, offensive mind, Doug Peterson from the Andy Reid tree of an offensive mind. Also Sean McDermott's also from the Andy Reid tree. So, you know, he's showing out like he does every year on that tree. Um then the <laughs> NFC side, Kyle Shanahan, offensive guy. Um, Mike McCarthy's an offensive guy. You're looking at Nick Sirianni from an offshoot of the Andy Retree offensive guy. He was Doug Peterson uh, uh, to Frank Reich to Nick Sirianni. So that's like playing like six. What's the, the the Kevin Bacon game? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. It's like you could do that with Andy Reid in the NFL. It's like, well, how did he get to Andy Reid? No, Nick Sirianni too. <laughs> whatever. Um, and then I, I was basically stalling because I was trying to think of the last head coach. I was, uh, uh, Oh, Brian Dabble, of course. Yeah, he's also offensive mind. Exactly. And you can you can play the six degrees of Andy Reid because Brian Dabble to Sean McDermott to Andy Reid. There's just so, so I remember when it was the Marvin Lewis coaching tree. Do you remember that? I remember that they uh for the first few years, like they all left and then none of them were playoff performing. <laughs> 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 like they were all like they were all like the same. It was like they're all like 10 and 6 and losing in the first round. And I was like. I guess you are with your head coaches, but then Zimmer ended up making an NFC championship game eventually. That tree is gone. That tree no longer exists. It's out of the ground. Someone cut it down. Uh, but no, it, it's it's going to be uh, like, again, we've said it plenty on this podcast. I'm, I'd be, I'm really selfish. I want Brian Callahan. I want Dan Pitcher to stay on the staff. And uh, you, you look at Lou, of course, with this defense and a lot of these guys returning next year. I know you're busy over in all Bengals. It's playoff week. So what's up there? 
I am going to do a little bit on the first half to second half offense uh, for uh, by the time you're probably listening to this. Cool. Go check it out. Obviously, you can follow him on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. He has all of the clips, recap from the Ravens game. We're going to be looking ahead on Thursday. You heard that episode on Friday morning. Preview prediction to Bengals, Bills, divisional round. Should be a good one on Sunday. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game in Cincinnati.